Wait, do you know any hymns, Adam? Dude, we sing hymns every, hymns every Sunday. <laughs> I'm not yeah, as crazy yeah, as but, but do you know them, though? The Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live, and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. All right, well, we welcome you to this episode of the Four Horsemen. We are talking about why congregational singing matters today more than ever. This is an article uh, from 2017, ancient, um, by Keith Getty on the Gospel Coalition. And uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, music. We've talked a little bit before, but we're not necessarily talking about preferences as far as music styles. We're talking more about the, the content and the nature of the music itself, which I think is different. So specifically, we're talking about the idea of congregational singing. Um, so somebody, somebody give me a definition, uh, Dennis, how would you define congregational singing? It is the musical expression of worship to God and communication of truth, uh, musically to, uh, the members of the church family. Okay. How you like that? Uh, what do you think, Derek? Would you add to that change? With congregational singing, how would you kind of define that? <laughs> Sorry, I was uh, answering a text. He was on Instagram. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how do I define congregational singing? Yeah. I define congregational singing, singing as uh, the church worshiping corporately, uh, whether they're singing a hymn or a praise and worship song. doesn't matter if it's old or new, um, but it involves a leader up front leading the people in some sound, some sort of praise hymn or song that's um, going to be sung by the whole body. It's not a performance. It's a participation of everybody together, raising their voice to God. Okay. So like, so that's a key point, I think. So for me, congregational singing is this idea of, of uh, congregational participation. Um, so, uh, it's not this idea of, you know, I, I'm sitting down, I'm not singing, somebody else is singing a song and I'm right. enjoying it or something like that, um, which, I mean, that can happen. Again, that's not about a music style necessarily, but it's more of of the, the intention, the atmosphere, the, the nature of the singing itself. Um, and so uh, congregational singing, to me, when it comes to music, there there are some styles of music that are, that are designed uh, – for congregational singing, and then there are other other times, other types that are designed for other worship formats. Um, so, for instance, um, one of my pet peeves with church music is ad libbing. So you, you have that person that's singing up front, and then they start, you know, you know, and, and and they start adding a bunch of stuff in there that it's not on the screen, it's not in the hymnal, it's not wherever. Nobody can follow along with that, and and in that in that that would be an example of something that is not congregational singing. If the whole congregation can't participate and follow along, then that music is not congregational by nature. That doesn't mean it's sinful necessarily, but it's not congregational in that sense. What do you think, Adam? I think <clears throat> he thinks his candy's delicious. I over think there. you caught him with no, no. <laughs> I I was thinking because. 
you were talking about if go explain a little bit when you were talking about if a person goes oh what do you mean by that okay so so uh <laughs> that's how you'd phrase it so right yeah i can't sing so that's my best attempt at doing an ad lib <laughs> but but um okay so you take a song like amazing grace okay amazing grace you, you put the words up on the screen or you have them in the hymnal or the bulletin or wherever everybody sees the words to amazing grace okay let's say you're singing it and you pull a chris tomlin and you add in some random chorus that is not in the words that people can't sing along with okay at that point it ceases well, then, to become now, what congregational if it's in the on the screen or in the book that you're singing out of in in that, that would be okay that would be okay because everybody can participate in that you're just talking about from an organ i'm talking about that girl that that sings at a range that nobody can sing <laughs> and she goes all the way up and down the scale in between every verse with a bunch of we love you jesus or something like that and nobody can follow along with that and at that point it's just like okay we're now we're watching you sing well i we're would not say, participating yeah i would say depends on her position I think that if she is singing to her very best ability, I don't see a problem with her hitting a high note or doing. I don't. I don't foresee that being a problem. Okay, um, I'm not. Again, I'm not saying that it's sinful for her to do that. But if she is leading the congregation in worship and she's leading somewhere that they cannot follow, then she's no longer leading. Them. Right. Right. Well, and that's why I said it depended on the position. Like if it's somebody in the choir, somebody in the congregation. Uh, prime example, this sounds weird, but there was a guy that at a church, I don't remember where, it doesn't matter, um, that when they sang, the first time I went, he whistled. Like he was whistling. And I'm like, well, like this is the weirdest thing I ever heard in my life. Like he was ultra distracting. Mm -hmm. The guy can't talk. That was his act of worship. Okay. And I, I learned that after the fact because I'm like, what's up with that guy whistling? It's ain't Andy Griffith, right? <laughs> But but that was his act, of, and I felt really bad. But my my point is 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 like, if somebody is using truly making a joyful noise unto the Lord, um, I I can't sit here and say that well it should be done this particular way, you know. And see, thing. I would. Okay, so here's uh, we're gonna get spicy on this one. <laughs> so so he, so here's the difference. There's a difference between personal worship and, and corporate or congregational worship. So when, when we're worshiping together in gathered worship on the Lord's day, um, the way that we are singing, even as individuals in a group, the worship itself should not in any way be of an individual nature. So you would say the whistling guy should not whistle because he can't sing. I would say in, in that because particular case. it's clearly an individual. I thing. would say in that particular case, that's an exception because you're talking about somebody with a disability. So what if somebody can't sing on key? Everyone guilty is Everyone, oh, I, I don't, I don't sing well at all. That's not my gift. But my goal when I'm singing is to be singing in unison with the congregation, to be in agreement with them, with my voice and with my with my mind on what we're singing, and to be singing in such a way that, to the best of my ability, I am striving to both glorify God in my singing and edify those around me. So, so are you saying you have to sing in unison in the congregation? You can't harmonize? I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. That wasn't right. what you said, so I want to, I want to clarify. I, I'm not saying that, that you can't harmonize. What I'm saying is is that um, the, the, goal, the goal of the singing should be if I if I was witnessing it, okay. So I think you're, if, you're if, talking about if if I'm out there singing, and let me see if I can clarify this well. If I'm out there and I'm putting on a show by myself, if I'm 
and all over the place when everybody it's it's drawing attention to myself right as opposed to it's just like we all know the person up in the choir the choir's up there singing one person's going crazy exactly right that's a perfect example okay because that person in that case even though they may be gifted right um, in their personal worship what they're doing is totally appropriate because that's between them and the so you're saying that's okay it's fine i'm not saying they're a sin to do that I don't think it's good to do during worship on Sunday morning. I'm saying in their personal worship time, you, outside of the corporate them? gathering, exactly. outside the corporate gathering, how do you it's fine. So, so you become <laughs> hypocritical by restraining what you. The truly, individual no, I don't think it's. I don't think it's hypocritical. I think. I think there's a different object there. Okay. Tell okay. Us. So okay. So for instance, I'm not a singer, but I was a drummer for a long time. Okay. One of the reasons why I used to hate to play praise music is because it was boring to play. Okay. Part of what I had to work through is is okay, what what is the what is the goal of my playing on Sunday morning versus playing by myself? So if I'm playing by myself, if it's if it's a personal act of worship, I'm going to tear that drum set up as much as possible because in, because in my heart, I want to give what I perceive to be my very uh, best to the Lord personally, right. which on a personal level is going to require a high amount of skill. In the corporate worship service, I'm not going to use the full extent of my skills, not because I don't want to glorify God, but because I want I want to also edify my brothers and sisters. And sometimes using the full ability of my skill actually reduces the amount of ed- edification instead of increasing it, if that makes sense. So that person that has a soloist voice, when they're expressing that soloist voice to, to the full extent of their ability on Sunday morning, that may actually do more harm than good as far as participating in corporate worship. They may need to actually rein it in a little bit, not because they're not wanting to worship God, but because they are wanting to worship Him as part of the corporate body. So they want to worship God, but just on a limited basis, individual. Kind of like the uh, Michael's <clears throat> reaction to David dancing before the Lord. You're going to have to give me that reference a little bit there. <laughs> well, it's when they move the ark. Yeah, right? yeah, when they move the ark and David's out right. there cutting the shine. Really? Right, yeah. Right, and worship. Okay. And, and, and Which what, was his personal act of worship. Yes, because that was his heart. But what does Michael do? No, we need to suppress this. You know, we need to. She was embarrassed, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I might be too. Um, but but that but the idea is 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 again the, 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 one of the problems that we have in modern evangelicalism because we don't have an emphasis on doctrine is we don't make distinctions. So we've talked about this with other issues like, for instance, with levels of government, right? So there's distinctions between like church government, uh, the government in the home, the civil government, those kind of things. I would say there's also distinctions in worship. There's different types of worship. So like my personal worship life is going to be different. For instance, um, there are genres of music and songs that I will use in my personal worship time that I would never do on a Sunday morning, not because they're sinful or there's anything inherently wrong, but they're not of a corporate nature. Mm-hmm. And again, the the goal of what we're doing on Sunday morning mm-hmm. is gathering corporately. And so the music in, in that particular setting mm-hmm. and, and the singing and the musicianship and those kind of things need to lend themselves towards um, a corporate edification because part of corporate worship isn't just for the Lord, but it's also for each other. And so if somebody is distracting me and not building me up, they're actually not edifying. They're actually detracting from my edification. And that doesn't mean that that person's desire is wrong to praise the Lord and they should be praising the Lord. But part of praising the Lord is praising him the way that he wants to be praised. And I think when we're gathering corporately, the way that he wants to be praised is of a corporate nature 
as opposed to to uh, that way. So, for instance, if I'm a guitar player, let me let me, oh, let me pause right there. <clears throat> so, I'm just trying to understand. I understand what you're talking about. You know, you'll worship in your own private. That I get that. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, is you're saying that God wants to be worshipped uh, corporately, but not with our whole heart. Suppress no some of that. So that's where I'm. That's where I'm, I'm saying. Kind of I'm saying lost. that that I think what he's saying is don't be a distraction. Yeah, I'm saying that the, the level of skill body. a person but I think uses that's is be not. Pro, but I like think the that's crazy be tambourine great. lady that's which I get, see, but I also the, think that the, that's the mm-hmm. that's going to be a very she's doing her own thing, but she's Come not on. with the rest of the group, and it it draws all the attention away to her. Okay, so so again, I'm going to for people who aren't musicians this might be a little harder okay so if i'm if i am uh playing an instrument so like i did percussion so that's what i'm most familiar with okay let's say i'm a trumpet player Mm -hmm. okay um that piece of music that i'm reading is going to indicate to me what volume i need to play at what tempo i need to play at uh when i should begin when i should stop it's indicating that okay now if if i if i am playing according to that piece Okay. Then when you're listening to that music piece, when you're in the audience and the whole orchestra is playing, okay, you're hearing this, this one uh, corporate piece of music that's coming out of all the different parts are playing their parts together. Right. Now, the thing is, in order to get that sound, um, some people are playing softer. Some play, people are playing louder. Some people are beginning at certain times, ending at certain times. They have their parts, right? But, but the goal is that there's just collective sound that's coming out that is a, a beautiful and uh an orderly type of sound right from an orchestra not a cacophony it should, noise right it should be the same way with corporate singing so like harmony parts things like that all that can be good when it's done in a way that 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 if i came in from a distance if i just snuck into the back of church on Sunday morning, the goal would be for me to hear this this one cohesive piece of music of here's a, a people that are praising together corporately and there's no one individual that's necessarily standing out, but it's a matter of, it's a group of people the same way as an orchestra. If an orchestra is doing its job, unless there's a solo part, you're not going to come in there and say, you know, that one trumpet player over there is really fantastic because you know what? The person on fourth chair, that's not as good as a trumpet player. That first one is playing in such a way that it's actually building that fourth player up. That's not as strong. And that's and that's part of the way that they do that in orchestra. And it's the same thing when we're leading worship in the sense of, listen, I can't I can't sing worth anything, but it's not edifying to me for the person next to me that has this beautiful God given voice to sing in such a way th- that it it actually is cause is causing disruption to me try to me trying to praise God praise God. So by that person actually uh, not expressing themselves to the full extent of their ability, they're actually enabling me to worship to the full extent of my ability. They're serving me in that way by not blasting it out when they can. And so by everybody doing that and serving one another in that way, there, there's a corporate uh, result that happens during worship. That's not going to necessarily happen with everybody doing a solo or doing whatever. Yeah. And, and I, and I'm in basic agreement with you. I, I just wanted to stress that within the, spectrum of personalities and, and differences among us that we're not after uniformity we're right after unity yes and there, there's a difference between the two the unity is an expression in the diverse 
nature of things that comes together because the Holy Spirit's the conductor we, we trust. And the Word of God is the text that, that we're singing, even if it was John Wesley that, or Charles, uh, more predominantly put it down. But, but to just have everybody be on the same note, just singing the same thing is, you know, is not what we're after because that, to me, that would inhibit a person's passion. Um, when it's the same thing that you see in the body of Christ generally, right? There, there's a unity in the body of Christ uh, of the things that we are all centered around, but there's also diversity within that. And, and the same thing would happen with music, which is why I said like, th- like this isn't necessarily like a genre discussion. Right. So um, you can, you can do congregational singing with guitars and drums and uh, violins and pianos and organs and, and acapella and, it's not necessarily about, you know, uh, does it sound like folk music or does it sound like rock music or does it sound like classical music? That's not necessarily the issue. The issue is it, whatever the music is, the thing that we should be in agreement on is that just in the same way as we all come together and we open the same word and we hear from the same word and we're in agreement about the same word, we should be doing the same thing musically in the sense of we should be singing music, music that is edifying lyrically but it also needs to be edifying musically into the into to the point where the, the music is not at such a level that I can't participate. And so therefore it's not edifying to me because it's not helping me worship. Yeah. But on the other extreme, it's the music is not being done poorly to the extent that it's a distraction from me being able to worship because the musicianship is terrible or some person is just out of control or whatever. There need there needs to be that balance of we want to do things well to the glory of God, but well doesn't mean everything that we can do. Well, and and, and so to follow up on that, let me tell you my great concern about the congregational singing is that there's not enough of it that that people don't do it. Even if you've got it scheduled, to two big things. There's a lot of people standing back there that do not sing at all. And then among those that uh, the songs, the selection sometimes of, of what we sing, that there's not enough doctrinal truth to sink down and to, and to grip your heart. And, and to me, if those things aren't happening, I don't care how well it's performed or, or anything else. It's, it's, not, it's not worship. It's, it's going through the motions. It's not as God intended music to be. It can be old stuff. It can be new stuff. But it's got to become embedded in a person's heart. And, you know, when I'm riding down the road listening to a great song, you know, I'm going to jump in there and sing with it. Mm-hmm. I, can I sing like that person? <laughs> Obviously, I've not been invited right. to go on tour, so no. <laughs> but but in, in my in my heart, and when I'm in the congregation, I'm going, I'm going to do the same thing. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter the genre as long as it's biblical. And, and, you know, I'm going to jump in there because I'm going to honor my God. Right. And, yeah. and, 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 and with that emphasis, I think that's where a lot of churches get tripped up on are we going to do a blended service or a contemporary service or a hymn service? We're, we are going to sing music that glorifies God and it is yeah. about Jesus and the gospel. And if you don't like that, you're going to hate everything about our church and you might as well go on. Yeah, I mean, and that, that needs to be the message that we're sending to people is if you're going to get bent out of shape about what instrument there is on, on, on Sunday morning, you will hate the preaching in this church. You will hate the leadership decisions of this church. You will hate the doctrine that we teach. Like you might as well just go on and, 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 and you, it's part of spiritual maturity to just say, like, I, I am I'm not here to be pleased by everything that I hear. Like my personal preference would be for my for the music in my church to be totally different on Sunday morning. Like I would love to have Gregorian a, a, chants. 
I, I, I like that. Um, I have a medieval playlist. I'm not gonna lie, but um, but you know, I'm into bag. I, I I can enjoy a lot a lot of different styles of music. And my preference Bring on Sunday morning, address. there's other churches that I know of that I would if I was just picking a church just based on music and preaching. There are other churches that I would go to uh, other than my church right now. But I don't go on Sunday morning and sing because the music just really tickles my fancy. You know what I mean? I go because when I'm singing with these people that I know their lives and I know the struggles they're going through and I know that they that they did they had plenty of reason to not even show up on Sunday morning and I hear that person praising, it does something in my heart next to them, which is one of the emphases of congregational singing also is you have to hear the congregation sing. And that's a big thing. I, I see a lot of discussions online in some of the groups that I'm in of I've seen discussions of how many decibels do you keep your service at where there's guys in the back that actually monitor. OK, if we turn the board up too much, it's actually going to cause hearing damage. So we need to come right under that threshold and provide earplugs to people when they come in. The fact is, there's no way you can do congregational singing like that. If you are miking your people and you're turning up the congregational singing so loud that it's blowing out somebody's eardrums, you're really an exception. I'm just saying um, but but the fact is, is that uh, drown, drowning me out and turning the lights down and hiding me so that I can come in here and have no accountability whatsoever is not edifying me. It's not helping. Yeah, I think one thing that I would add to this and that you've we've already kind of touched on is that one of the expectations in so many churches is we're going to be a part of a performance. We're going to watch, whereas worship, as you see it in the Bible, is not a spectator sport. It's something that you take part in. And yet we've groomed ourselves in the American church that we're going to come and we're going to hear great musicians sing to us. We're going to hear great preachers preach to us and leave and think that we have worshiped when actually we've just sat on the sidelines and watched a team of professionals, quote unquote, uh, do what we are called to do as the body of Christ. And so, I think one of the emphasis of this whole discussion that we need to be pointing out is that congregational uh, singing is needed because it takes the focus off of a, a group of clergy or, or musicians and puts it on the whole body of Christ praising mm -hmm. and, and lifting him up and making worship uh, something that everybody participates in, no matter what your level of musical expertise is if worship is a participatory act then uh there are more people on sundays that worship during the game after the church than they do during the worship Don't service step on my toes you know because i'm just saying you'll have people you have people they'll never they'll never affirm the pastor <laughs> they won't sing during church they won't open their bible they, they won't do whatever their head off but, the ball game. but man they will go they will paint their bodies they will just go i mean they'll go absolutely nuts in participating of uh, okay, where or where, politics? Where do the yeah or politics? Where do the affections of your heart lie? Right. You're, if you're telling me that that the the gospel on Sunday morning won't bring a tear to your eye, or that you don't want to affirm the pastor when he's preaching, or that you don't feel the need to sing, and you do that in any other area of your life, you have an idolatry problem, like hands down. So, so you're saying that beyond even the congregational singing, that congregational participation in the message is vital as well. Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm up there preaching and everybody's sitting out there, even if they're paying attention and it's, it's stone silent, you know, a lost person or somebody else, a carnal person sitting out there, you know, they're just, hey, that's one guy's opinion. But if there's 10 or 20 people saying, hey, man, that's right, 
you know, then they might say, hey, wait a minute, there must be something to this thing. Yeah, well, and, and, and that's a, a great point, Dennis. We have an amen sign on our screen. Because I used to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't clap like, that, like they do for Stephen. That's a movie of the spirit. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that's a good point, Dennis, because the church that I grew up in was Southern Baptist, but it was relatively silent on Sunday morning. And then I got to Fruitland, you know, and, and my wife about had a stroke when somebody started screaming behind her during preaching one day. And because uh, she grew up having church in the living room. So, I mean, you didn't have to really, hey, man, you just kind of looked at him and nodded your head. <laughs> There's four people in the room, you know. But, um, uh, you know, I used to I used to actually be uh, really irritated by, by people saying amen or something like that during, during the service, Prim- primarily because some of it is ignorance. Like, for instance, you know, the phrase amen means so be it. It's an affirmation. Right. And so uh, sometimes that's used inappropriately sure. culturally, you know, of like, um, no, you don't need to be affirming the passage that says God struck them with a horrible disease. You know, yes, God, please strike everyone with a horrible <laughs> disease. You know, I mean, that's that's not the kind of stuff you want to be affirming. But at the same time, you make a valid point, and I've, I, especially as I've begun preaching over the years, um, pastors need encouragement, and and not only that, but it is healthy for the body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got we've got a brother in our congregation who's an amener, and he sits in the back and he'll amen, and and he's not you know inappropriate or anything right. like that. But I had other members at one point when he first started coming saying, you know, I, I don't really know how I feel about that. You know, it's kind of loud, and I feel like it kind of disrupts the service. But I do think. To our, our our beginning, there was a man that used to come to Fruitland. Well, I'm gonna get there in a minute. Okay, I'm gonna get there in a minute. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that the conversation I had with this yeah. other member is, I said, "Listen, I said, I said this brother came from a dead church where he he would preach his guts out week after week, and nobody cared, and nobody responded to the word of God. And so the fact that he's in a church now where there's biblical preaching, and he feels like he can be free." to to affirm the truth of God's word I said is important to him and I said so you have to understand the context that he comes from is when when you've been sitting in an oppressive environment for so long and you finally hear the truth of God and you get a little bit excited that's okay and and, and this member told me you know what now that I think about it that way I'm I'm okay with it you know mm-hmm. because I understand that they're just passionate about the truth now that being said there's extremes for that too, just the same way sure. as in worship. There's an appropriate way to affirm a pastor, and there's inappropriate ways. You know, uh, if you want to get up and start running around during preaching, that's not edifying anybody else. I'm just saying, it's not it's it's not building me up in Christ to to see somebody act like they're having a seizure during preaching. Slain in the spirit, you know, yeah, style, yeah. But I'm I, I'm talking I'm talking Baptist style too. Because I've seen some stuff in Baptist churches that I'm just like, this is nonsense. This is not decently and in order. You're drawing attention to yourself. You're not drawing attention to the truth of God's word or the gospel. And that's inappropriate. You know, if you're affirming a preacher-wise preaching, you say, amen, praise the Lord, preach it, you know, whatever you want to say, there's a way to do that. But, you know, when you're getting up there and, and, you know, ripping your shirt or like, you know, throwing your coat on the preacher or jumping in the baptistry or whatever nonsense. Yeah, I don't even think Dan's you know, done that. I've, I've seen people, you know, there, there's that video. What? He probably has. You ripped your shirt off yet? That there, there's that video yeah, on, on the internet uh, where they're, where they're singing. Over. Have y'all seen that video where they're, they're singing and the guy oh, yeah. jumps, jumps in the, in the baptistry, baptistry and takes his coat off and throws it on the preacher yes. and all that? And they're singing. And, and, I, and I've heard of church services like that and people say, the Holy Ghost was moving so hard that we didn't even have preaching that Sunday. That's that's not the Holy Ghost. Why doesn't it it's happen not. on Monday at three o'clock at your office? 
It's a good, it's a good point. Valid consideration. And so, yeah. So I think, I think there's extremes with that too. So again, yeah. there, there's variety, right? There's freedom. Sure. sure. There should, but be. there's freedom with, with a limitation of is this building up the body of Christ or not? If you don't it, need if to say amen when it. he says, hi, my name's Adam. Well, amen. Like yeah. if they don't make Glory sense. Glory to God. All right. You know, I'm not the best pastor in the world. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but think about back to the music thing. You know, so often I think the the aim is to get everybody feeling good, pumped up, mm-hmm. you know, all that sort of thing. And there's certainly a, a place for that. But I was just looking at the, this old hymn. Th- think about these words. I will not attempt to sing it. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior. Know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Now, that's if you're just singing Bible. that in seriousness, <laughs> that's, 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 that's not a big celebration, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, hallelujah song. This is contrition. This is brokenness. There needs to be lamentation. There, There's going to be times that in the singing, you don't feel happy. You feel like you're in the darkest time of your life. And there needs to be an opportunity for that kind of expression, that kind of authenticity, I think, in in singing. So that, that's the only thing I would be a little bit cautious about because, I, again, I'm in basic agreement, mm-hmm. is, is I, w- I want that authenticity uh, that as we uh, come together and submit to each other in the Holy Spirit, I don't think it will be channeled wrong if we're if we're listening. A Just fr- saying uh, reckless love, that's all you got to do. Yeah. A friend of mine, Mike Kozlinski, shout out, he's in the elephant room. Um, he made a good point to me one time that uh, God gives us music as a way to connect our uh, our mind and our emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, um, preaching, reading the word, studying that it, it's a way to feed our mind, um, and and it's easy for our emotions to get out of control. And so, godly music connects those two things together. You get some sound theology, some sound biblical doctrine like that hymn you just referenced. That's just the Bible. I mean, that's just scripture. straight scripture right there. But by but by singing it, the way that God has wired human beings is all of a sudden now there's an there's an emotion associated with that text. And so I'm not just thinking about the word, but I, I'm physically expressing that to God of I'm affirming this truth. I want you to make this true in my life. I want to be changed by what I'm singing right now. Um, there's a modern hymn that we sing in our church uh, called Not In Me. So examples of lyrics, this is a modern hymn. No list of sins I have not done, no list of virtues I pursue, no list of those I am not like can earn myself a place with you. Oh, God, be merciful to me. I am a sinner through and through. My only hope of righteousness is not in me, but only you. Um, and and uh, that's something to shout about. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and and, and I and that's moving uh, to sing those kind of convicting words. You know, to to sing those kind of things. That the confession of sin is something that has uh, is lacking in a lot of music. Um, re- you don't see a lot of songs about repentance, you know, and confession. A lot of it is God just loves me so much that He sent Jesus to die on the cross for me, which is true. He but it's like ninety nine. Yeah, but but why did He do that? Because you are a miserable wretch, and and you need to make sure that you're confessing that on a regular basis, because you can't understand grace if the you don't understand I sin. Passed upon Him exactly. Right? How deep the Father's love is my yeah. Song yep. Far. We sing that one regularly. That's a great one. You know, in Christ alone is another example. It's a mo- more modern hymn. Very solid doctrine in there. The the standard that I like that that I try to use uh, when we do song selection is um, if my if my children only knew the doctrine that they sing on Sunday morning, would it be enough to save them? Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. Because that's another thing with music. Part of the way that God has gifted us with music is is it helps us remember things. Absolutely, and that's so, a good principle to have. Yeah, I and like so that. you think about it. Okay, is if we sing this song in church on Sunday morning, is this going to help the children that are singing this song come to Christ? You could cut out a lot of lyrics of different songs you could. based on that principle, and, and that's and that's not a generational thing. There's old songs no, that, that are total garbage across the right. spectrum. It's it's sentimentalism. It's you know all that sort of stuff. I don't care if it's southern gospel or bluegrass <laughs> mm-hmm. or you know contemporary. You've got a lot of that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and and there's not a thimble full of gospel in it. I remember yeah. I remember one of our teachers at Fruitland. We sang "Power in the Blood." <laughs> Fruitland Pirate. Oh, yeah. He railed on that song that the power's not in the blood, it's in the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That song's so wrong. He went on a rampage, and he's an older fellow, too. Anyway, yeah. God bless him. Which I would disagree with. I, I, would, I would, too. Yeah. <laughs> Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Anyways, um, First John 1 7 also. Ephesians 1 7 also. Reckless slow. <laughs> Hezekiah 3 27 also. <laughs> Third hesitations. Um, so, anyways, uh, we have uh, somewhat exhausted this topic, I think, at this point. And well, we would never exhaust this topic yes. until we get to glory and then everybody will sing. So, Maybe exhausting. So, as far as, uh, as far as considerations, though, I, I would challenge our listeners to, to kind of evaluate um, the music situation at your church. You know, ask yourself, is what I'm singing on Sunday morning, it, it, am I edified by, by other people around me that are singing? Uh, is, is what we're singing, is it, is it doctrinally sound? Is it, is it causing me to turn my attention to the gospel and to Christ and, and, and to know uh, God, the glory theology. of God. It's got to be full of theology. Yeah. And so is it is it causing my my heart, my mind to be uh, directed towards him and focused on him? And so many times we focus on the preaching. And the reality is, is the music serves a very important purpose of of me giving my my mind, my will and emotions to the Lord and saying, you know, Lord, pre- prepare my heart so that when I do hear your word, that it that it goes down deep and it and it convicts me and it encourages me where I need need it. And it's it's tilling up that soil of our heart so that when that word comes out, that we're ready to receive that. And the reality is, is, you know, if, if you got a, a tiller with a dull blade or no, no uh, gas in it, you're not going to your, your ground's going to be pretty hard um, by the time you throw that seed on there. So can, can I tell one more quick story? Yeah about the power of of music my dad was a gospel singer all of his days and uh, toward the end of his life he developed dementia and so more and more that ravaged his memory but do you know that the end when he couldn't really carry on a conversation or make rational decisions uh, even feed himself or clean himself up he could still play on a piano he could still sing some of those songs he could you know Mm -hmm. uh, tap his foot in rhythm those things were so embedded in his spirit and his soul that they never would go away mm. when, they, when everything else did go away. And that just shows you how effective it is. If we're communicating the truth through music, mm-hmm. what a difference it'll make. I think I've shared this on an earlier podcast, but uh, my brother-in-law, um, Wally, he's just grown so much in the Lord over the last couple of years. And uh, a big part of that journey for him was a rap album called The Unfolding uh, by Timothy Brendel, which is basically a a rap version of teaching the types of Christ in the Old Testament and and teaching Christ in the Old Testament, like a previous episode we had. 
And for him, growing up in church and all that, uh, it was that album that was really life-changing for him because of the theology in it, that he was listening to the music and the music was catchy, but what it was talking about caused him to think about Christ and the gospel in a different way. And as a result of that, um, he ended up... uh, you know, confessing Jesus as Lord and being baptized and is uh, radically pursuing after him. And, and again, that's not a genre thing. That was the content that that was for, you know, uh, for one of the first times he really heard really sound biblical teaching about the gospel. And it, and it affected his heart in a way that uh, listening to preaching or something like that wouldn't have. And so um, so we need to take the music that we're, we're singing on Sunday morning seriously, and we need to make sure that the content is good. And uh, and we need to be more focused about uh, bringing God glory and, and building one another up than we do about a, a style or, um, you know, how old the hymn is or new the hymn is or whatever it may be. or and Encouraging congregational participation. Exactly. And so uh, just limit it. Show up Sunday morning, <laughs> sing if it's good. If it's not good, go talk to your pastor and just maybe maybe instead of being critical, make a suggestion. Say, hey, you know, here here's a really great song that I saw. Do you think maybe we could sing this one? You know, um, do something constructive. You know, I hate it when people come and they want to share a problem without a solution. So give your pastor a solution and say, hey, here's a really great song that we could sing together. Do you think maybe we could work one of these in? Name it and claim it. And uh, yeah, that's right. Um, so go this week and sing and sing loud if it's appropriate and not distracting. <laughs> Most importantly, just uh, make sure that you're focusing on your worship and that you're building that up in your congregation. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than pass the president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they calling for Katrina.